Hi, I'm Mac. Hi, I'm Abigail. And this is Unsubs. This is the podcast where we recap, rate, and review all 324 episodes of Criminal Minds. And today we're wrapping up fucking season four, best season yet. Uh, we're on season four, episode 26. And back. And back. Uh, and I've got a fun fact for you. Mm-hmm. So as y'all might know, I went on vacation to California. And let me tell you, that fucking California traffic is real. Like, I live in New York. We have some pretty bad traffic in New York. But you, y'all over there got to figure some shit out. Because that <laughs> I don't know what's going on over there. It's, it's very bad. Like, half the trip was traffic. <laughs> I, I wonder what it would be like if you came here to, like, the DMV. Because our traffic is also terrible. Like, really terrible. People, people are really aggressive and don't know how to drive at the same time. Our traffic is, like, only bad in, like, some places, but, like, something they just did is they, like, switched over, trying to make all of New York, like, cashless tolling, which is really nice, because the issue is, like, you get to a toll booth and the people don't understand. Like, it says cash, and they come over to the lane that is not cash. Um, But, like, all of California is that already, so, like, I don't understand what the problem is. Like, it's like, go through, don't stop. And people be stopping. And I'm like, fuck this shit. Yeah, speaking of transportation, I mentioned this a little bit as, like, a teaser in the previous episode. But I want to tell you about the time that I kind of sort of illegally entered the UK. Oh, my goodness. I'm ready for this. So, I, um, a couple of years ago, did, like, a short-term study abroad class um in uh in england and it was like super fun dream experience like i was so pumped but basically i had a um flight that left here at like 6 p.m or 7 p.m it was like a six hour flight and then they're six hours ahead i think so I was arriving in England at, like, pretty early in the morning. I think by the time that I met up with my professor, it was, like, 9 a.m. So it was, like, a weird, like, not quite overnight. But, like, like I should have slept on the plane, but I, like, definitely did not. So I get into Heathrow Airport really early in the morning. And there's, like, not very many people there. And I had to, of course, you know, go through, oh, God, what is it? What do they call it? Um, Customs. There's a couple people ahead of me, and there's only, like, two or three people, like, actually there checking in with people. And um, they do that thing where it's, like, you scan – I don't travel very often, but, like, you scan your um, passport and it kind of, like, reads – like, you know, computer, like, kind of reads your face. And so the girl ahead of me was, like, around my age and she went and it, like, wasn't working. The, like, scanner wasn't working. And so one of the ladies just, like, called her over and I can hear the lady talking to her friend be like – 
none of these are working. We're like, what's going Like, what the hell? Why aren't these working? Girls ahead of me gets called over. They talk to her. They let her in. And then it's my turn to try the scanner. It also doesn't work. And so they call me over and I just kind of hand over my passport. She doesn't even look at it because the woman's talking. She's like, none of them are working. Looks at me. Oh, just go ahead. And like, didn't look at my passport. You're supposed to stamp it. She didn't stamp it, and she's also supposed to ask me, like, what I'm doing, like, what the intent of my visit is. She didn't. A couple people from my cohort were on that same flight as me, uh, but I didn't see them, and apparently one of them got, like, grilled of, like, where are you going? Well, we're going kind of all over. Well, why? And, like, so I was just, like, they, like, just were, like, go. Like, bye. (laughs) Wow. That's fucking, like, shit. I always get super intimidated when we have to go through customs. My my customs experience going into Canada was a little bit uh, less intense, but more thorough. Oh, did you leave from Michigan, which is like only a three-mile drive? No, I, I left from Washington, D.C. <laughs> it was only like a two-hour flight, though. <laughs> Listen, uh, let's let's start the show. Can I go over the rating criteria? Yes. Each episode can score a total of 100 points. We have five different categories. Each category can score 0 to 20. um, And then we add the categories together to make our final score. So those categories are criminal slash serial killer, character development slash character arcs, forensics and context, script writing, and background characters. And we are in no way, shape, or form professionally associated with Criminal Minds or any of the contents therein. So this is the second part of a two-parter series uh, finale for this show, uh, Criminal Minds. (laughs) So uh, this is the second half of the two-parter. So if you haven't already listened to episode 25, you should probably listen to that first, since we're going to just dive into the action. Anyways, a cute little recap, though, for those of you who didn't listen to it or forgot. In episode 25, the BAU goes to Detroit, Michigan to investigate a supposed serial killer named William Hightower. Hightower claims to have kidnapped 10 transient people from an area in Detroit called the Cass Corridor. However, we learn that he didn't kidnap anyone, but claimed he did to draw attention to the cases of the missing people because his sister, Lee, is one of those who is missing. Meanwhile, we watch the unsub who owns a pig farm eat smoked pig snacks and chop up bodies and feed them to his pigs. It's a cute little gross time. (laughs) Um, Meanwhile, also, the unsub then kidnaps a sex worker named Kelly and brings her to his farm. The BAU soon realize the unsub is a guy named Mason Turner, but when the BAU turns up to his pig farm, they see that he's a paraplegic, so he can't be the unsub. Or can he? Let's let's see how quickly we can get through this convoluted ass episode. Oh god, yeah. Let's ring the bell already. I'm ready. BAU is in the home of Dr. Mason Turner, a man who, as we mentioned before, is quadriplegic, incapacitated, and completely bedridden. He is Canadian. 
we see Dr. Turner voice command that 911 be called because the BAU rolled in unannounced and they're like, man, don't do that. That's unnecessary. And he's like, what grounds do you have to be here? Cut and we now see Kelly in the woods with the guy who snatched her and he just kind of like puts her down and is looking around and she just... She starts to run away, but she screams the whole time. And I'm like, girl, if you don't just be quiet. So he's able to snatch her back pretty quickly. And I'm just like, girl. So so Prentice and Morgan back on the pig farm say hi to the piggies. And Prentice is like, wait, was that a scream? And Morgan's like, I don't know. We're on a pig farm. There's lots of weird things you could hear. Jeff, the cop, is really upset because Dr. Turner does not seem capable of being their unsub. And Hotch is like, okay, come on. He fits the profile. (laughs) Morgan notices a handprint on this, like, box kind of thing next to the pig pen. It's not just a handprint, it's a bloody handprint. We see them open it, see something horrifying, and then it cuts to him running over to Hotch, and he's like, there's a box next to the pigs full of nothing but bloody shoes. So they're all different sizes, male, female. He says there are about 100 pairs of shoes in there, which is pretty horrifying. They belong to victims? Possible. Why just the shoes? Where are the bodies? I don't think there's going to be any bodies, guys. Pigs are omnivores. They'll eat... Anything. By anything, I mean anything. And my boy Reed comes through with exactly what I was going to say, which is, I don't think there's going to be any bodies, guys. Pigs are omnivores. They'll eat anything. By anything, I mean anything. So now Prentice uncuffs uh, William Hightower, because he's not the unsub, and asks him if he knows what kind of shoes his sister was wearing when she went missing. So Kelly wakes up and she kind of like yells at this guy who snatched her. However, we see that he seems to be very mentally challenged. um, And I don't think he really understands anything that she is saying to him. And rather than listening to her, he is just kind of matching her intensity. Yes. Rossi approaches Dr. Turner and Rossi is like, You know what we found? You know what we found! You know exactly what is out there! Exactly. And we see Rossi moving and covering a bunch of different mirrors that are, like, all around the room. And that kind of prevents Dr. Turner from seeing outside of his room and house, because I guess they kind of are reflecting the outside. He also pulls the headphones off of Dr. Turner, which to me felt like a little inappropriate. You can't do this to me. I'm not doing anything to you. In fact, you don't even have to talk to me. As you said, I have no jurisdiction here. But almost every policeman in Ontario is on their way to this farm, and they do have jurisdiction. Some very bad things have happened here, and they're going to discover all of it. Now, Mason, how many victims were there? A hundred? More? Do you even know for sure? I need my mirrors. No. What you need is something to make you look less 
like the monster that we both know that you really are. How can you call me that? I've never laid a hand on anybody. You need to tell me where the other guy is before he kills Kelly. Yeah, like he's he's basically like we have someone who's quadriplegic who's obviously like set himself up pretty good to be able to like manage things. And he's clearly the mastermind behind this. And the fact that Rossi is like making him powerless is like, like I, it's not a good look. It's not a good look. And again, we know that this is the mastermind behind killing people, but I'm like, you should not be doing that to like a disabled individual. It was my brother. Lucas, he's crazy. He did all of it. He did this to me, too. I wanted to try to stop him. How could I? Why didn't you call for help? I tried that once, but he found out. He beat me. He almost killed me. You don't understand what it's like to be completely vulnerable to someone who's capable of the things that he's done. Where is he right now? I wish I could help you. I don't know what he does when he leaves me. He has a girl with him. A young girl from Detroit. Then you should pray for her. Dr. Turner saying that it's his brother Lucas who has done all of this and he is crazy. Oh, I hate that. I hate that. I hate crazy. I hate that. So he says that Lucas is the one who hurt him, almost killed him. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't know if I trust Dr. Turner right now. The police roll up and the BAU plans what their moves are going to be. Rossi tells them about what Dr. Mason said about his brother and shows them all a photograph of Lucas. Um, But both Rossi and Hotch continue to be skeptical. The next morning, the police are there and Garcia has also joined them. She starts looking into the computer and the police begin trying to like identify who all these shoes belong to. The horribly bad actress who is the police uh, from Detroit rolls up. She says that she has 35 open missing persons cases and Morgan's like, 35? And she seems like, is that not right? And he's like, well, we have 89 pairs of shoes so far. Also, like, the fa- the fact that she's, like, having that reaction is just like, oh, God, they really have no, they just don't care about transient people. They don't care about, like, homeless people or people who are addicted to drugs. They just don't care. And I'm like, the only people who are winning in this situation are the pigs. <laughs> They're... <laughs> <laughs> the pigs are probably living it up. Oh, They're like, yeah. hell yeah, buffet, <laughs> all you can eat. Yeah. Oink, oink, motherfucker. <laughs> oink, oink, motherfucker. <laughs> we should have merch. <laughs> that should be the description for this episode. Yes, I will do that. Did you bring the case files? I got 35 open missings. That's all. That's not enough. 89 pairs. 89. So far. God. I don't think God's been out here in a long time. How is he? How would you be? He asked for help and nobody ever looked for his sister. We did the best we could. 
Ignoring him was the best you could do. We were undermanned. These are just all throwaway people to you anyway, right? That is not fair. Isn't it? She gets very defensive and tries to say, like, you know, we were undermanned. And again, I think this could be a really profound scene if it wasn't for the fact that this actress sucks. <laughs> now we see Hotch and Reed talking about Mason's brother. Reed says that apparently Lucas sleeps on the couch in the living room of the house. However, he will sometimes go missing for days at a time. And he guess you know i guess doesn't have his own room which is strange because they grew up in this house it seems yeah we see kelly and lucas in this like little underground cabin with fairy lights it's giving it oh oh i thought it was cute (laughs) no i think it is cute but it's giving their kind of like little hideout area and it I mean, it, it's very, like, bog witch swamp vibes, but the fairy lights are sending me. He has a cell phone down there, and he keeps saying that he's, like, waiting for a call. And she keeps being like, if we're underground, you don't have reception. You're not going to get the call. <laughs> now we see Reed in a barn of sorts, and he goes up to, like, the loft of the barn because he hears a noise, and there's, like, a cage full of rats. And a bunch of Iroh Canyon, whoops, a bunch of crayon drawings on the walls. I mean, I'm like, I'm assuming this is where Lucas is hanging out. And yep, there is a cot, there's some water and drawings all around. And this must have been where he hung out and slept when he wasn't in the house. And now we see Morgan approach William and William is like, did you find something? And Morgan hands something to William, but we don't see it. They have a little moment about his sister having gone missing and how somehow she knew something bad was going to happen. And then when he opens his hand, we see that it was his dog tags that Morgan has handed him that his sister had been holding on to. So she's gone. Yeah. Morgan goes up to Hotch and is like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I need to join Prentice in the search party because I can't just stand here doing nothing. Now Hotch goes to the barn where Reed is. And Reed tells Hotch he has a hard time believing that Mason wouldn't know that his brother slept in the barn. And he also does not believe that Lucas is psychotic. He also says that Lucas is very childlike, so when they find him, he's going to be scared and probably confused. Hotch starts to walk away, and Reed is like, Hey, Hotch, do you ever have a feeling that a case just isn't going to end well? And Hotch is just like, Reed, keep looking, that girl needs us. So now we see Kelly telling Lucas to go outside and keep walking around until he gets his call to which he just absolutely beats the shit out of her. And she's like freaking out and starts calling for her mother, which I think is very sad. And then now we see Morgan and Prentice walking through the woods. Morgan is upset about the number of killers who are out there just slaying people and the fact that like no matter how and what they do, those killings are just never going to end. They're just going to be more and more people killing people. They also then encounter a creek, and they're upset about that because it means that the dogs who were sniffing are probably going to lose the scent. Because there's, like, a whole police search party going on. Which is kind of, like, can I say this? Wild that they care that much about a sex worker. One, like, young sex worker. Maybe it's because she's white. 
Yeah, it's definitely because she's white. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because they wouldn't even fucking, like, leave the office for, like, a black sex worker. Mm-hmm. So Garcia starts looking into the computer, and she very quickly sees something that upsets her, but we don't get to see it. And now we see Lucas trying to comfort Kelly. He says that Mason says he always goes too hard. And this is when I write, it's giving of Mason then. <laughs> What's your name? My name is Kelly. Mason says never, 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 no names. Doesn't Mason want us to be friends? Friends? Garcia walks over to Rossi looking absolutely shell-shocked and she's like, they're doing experiments. And uh, Mason's like, unsuccessful ones. (laughs) Apparently these were experiments to try to fix Mason. But it's okay because the people they were doing this to were unuseful to society. He goes on about how these people were going to be a part of something bigger and better. How would any jury actually believe he's capable of hurting anyone anyways? Unbeknownst to Mason, William overhears this conversation. So the police dogs uh, and the search party is still out and about. And now Lucas is also out and about. And we see lots of shots of rabbits, which continue to give uh, mice and men vibes. And Kelly is having an absolute meltdown in the basement, but while doing so, she finds a cell phone and she pockets it. And Lucas comes back downstairs and barrels towards her, which seems very threatening for a second, but then he holds out his hands and is like, berries, which I actually thought was really sweet. Cut, and we now have Rossi asking Mason how he got hurt. How did you get hurt? What difference does it make? None, I guess. My brother pushed me out of the loft. I wanted to sell the farm. I had just finished medical school. They'd given me a nice down payment on a practice in the city. But the farm was all he knew. Lucas doesn't handle angry well. Is that why you hate him? Hate him? He's done nothing but take care of me every day since then. You said not to even try talking to him if we find him. That sounds like you want us to kill him. That's not hate. That's a favor. So I I have a quick theological question for you regarding this case. If Mason hadn't fallen from the loft, whether he was pushed or not, which like I feel like he probably was pushed. I don't think that his brother intentionally meant to like hurt him like that, but I do believe he was pushed. But I feel like you have to have some like evil in you already to do what he did. Like the whole thing with the profile where they were saying this guy is a sadist. So he definitely in my mind was a sadist before he became a paraplegic. And I might even say, like, if he's killing this many people, what are the chances that he wouldn't have done something else or become a serial killer in some other way had this all not gone down? He also very well could have been a serial killer before any of this happened. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Because he's so fucked up and he just doesn't have any regard for any other human life, 
even his brother who has been caring for him. Like, so clearly he was fucked up before this. So, yeah. So basically he's like, Lucas couldn't survive without me. So anyways, um, to which in the continuation of my notes, I just write, I hope the pigs aren't killed. They're innocent in this. They don't know what they're doing. They're innocent. Yeah. Justice for pigs. Justice for pigs. Now we see Kelly telling Lucas that she needs to use the bathroom and he presents her with a bucket and she's like, no, I need to go outside. I need privacy. I'm a girl. And I'm like, you know what? Same. I would also, I think I, I'm very self-deprecating. I don't hold my, I'm not like, I'm not saying in an unhealthy way that I don't hold myself in super high regard. I can rough and tough it. I am not taking a shit or peeing in a bucket. Like, absolutely not. I am not going. Nope. I, I, I do not say that I always need the finer things in life, but that's one of the things that I will absolutely not do. <laughs> Agreed. Absolutely. <laughs> So they go outside and she still has the cell phone in her pocket and she says she needs some privacy. So she creeps behind a tree and turns the phone on and Garcia had seen on the computer that there was another cell phone that had all like had many calls coming and coming and going from it, but it wasn't on. So when she turns the phone on, Garcia sees the phone is on. However, it keeps saying access denied and it only lets her call like one number on it. And that's like the system that Garcia is plugged into. She talks to Garcia. She's able to say like, I'm Kelly. But before she's able to give any more information, because she was so goddamn loud, Lucas heard her, ran over and was like, you hear him over the phone being like, that's mine. And he's really angry and they fight and he brings her back down into the underground little hidey hole. Valiant effort, Kelly. You need to learn how to shut your mouth. The FBI tries to find Kelly, but she's underground because they're able to GPS locate their exact location, but there's no sign of her anywhere. And Reed notices a lot of like carvings into the trees and uh, branches around the area that match a lot of the brand drawings. He's able to, like, use those and quickly find kind of, like, the hatch to get into the underground basement. Kelly is, like, can hear that the BAU is coming. And she's like, you know, you need to be good. Don't make any sudden moves to Lucas because she doesn't want him to get attacked. And now we also see William back at the farm grab a gun that was left unsupervised behind by one of the police officers, I guess, which is wildly irresponsible and go in to shoot Dr. Turner. And now the SWAT team also shoots Lucas, which I don't think they had clearance to do that. Yeah, absolutely did not. So we now get a long voiceover from Hotch talking about how even when you do everything right sometimes, it just still feels like you failed, and so many lives were altered by just this one thing. We see Hotch entering his home that night, He immediately goes to pour himself a drink, which I cannot blame him for. However, we see someone entering from behind him with a mask on, pointing a gun at him. And it's Floyd, and we hear him just say, you should have taken the deal. End of season four. Hi, pony boy. (laughs) Hi, pony boy. So that was our agent being left in peril in the last second of the episode. 
Yeah, need a better uh, description, Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> Misleading, one could say. It, there, there's a lot going on in that episode. Um, I guess we'll hash it out more in our um, rating, but would you like to hear my deep dive? Yes. I want to talk about um, terminally ill and disabled prisoners and their treatment. So I really could have like written a whole essay on this. So I just did a little bit and I did like go with this article that was written in the UK about the UK. But I just want to say that the American prison system also has this issue Prisons and probation, dying in chains, why do we treat sick prisoners like this? And so this is from the article. When Michael Tyrell's older daughter, Ash, visited her dying father in the hospital and saw him handcuffed and chained to a prison guard, she was so shocked that she took photographs. Tyrell, who was almost halfway through a 29-year sentence for drug smuggling, had throat cancer and pneumonia. He had not been a troublesome prisoner, and after 13 years of good behavior, he was due to be released. The handcuffs were eventually taken off a few hours before he died the following day. Quote, how much of a security risk could a terminally ill, physically weak 65-year-old man really pose, his daughter Maria wrote to an email in The Guardian. Tyrell's three daughters believe that his death followed months of inadequate and demeaning treatment by uh, Franklin Prison in Durham. A Guardian investigation had revealed that Tyrell's case is not an exception. The cases also suggest a disturbing pattern of misdiagnosis, substandard treatment, and callous disregard for the families of desperately ill prisoners. In 2013, it was revealed that more than 50 dying prisoners over over a five-year period had been wrongly chained or handcuffed in the final days of their lives, including a cancer patient who died handcuffed to a prison officer and a prisoner who remained chained to his escort after being put in a medically induced coma, which is just so fucking upsetting. In the same year, The Guardian revealed that 22-year-old Kyle Gaffney, sentenced to 21 months for careless driving under the influence, was handcuffed to a guard when clinically brain-dead after having suffered a cerebral hemorrhage. Oh my god. It's just like a question when we look at fucking Mason Turner in this episode. Had he gone to jail, like, what would that quality of life had been like? And what do we do if someone's, like, very obviously a serial killer with no regard for human life? I feel very strongly that, like, everyone deserves, like, care. And everyone deserves to have, like, the best quality of life they can, But, like, if someone's a serial killer and we're spending money to keep them alive and give them the best quality of care, like, could that money be used somewhere? Like, I don't know. It's just a hard thing because I want it both ways, but you can't have it both ways because you can't, you know? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a really hard. Yeah. Glad I don't work for the government or the law. (laughs) Anyways, can we rate this episode? Yes. Okay, uh, what do you think about the criminal slash serial killer? I think they're well written. I I kind of wish they had a little bit more of a hurrah at the end before getting killed off. 
kind of wish we had gotten to see them interact for more than a second. Like I would have liked to see that, but I do think that they were well-written. And also, what do you do with William Hightower? Like, that's another thing. What do you do with all three of these people, like, facing the prison system in America? Like, what happened? I just wish we got to see a little bit more, like, that. Like, we mentioned the actor who was playing Mason's, like, a really accomplished actor. And I feel like he never really got to shine at all. This episode's not going to do well, but I feel like at least... These two characters, there's a lot going on. So should we give them like a 15 or more? I think a 15 is fine. Character development, character arcs. We didn't really get much. No, we do a 10, I guess. Yeah. Forensics and context. Pigs. We did give the pigs a 20 last episode. I don't really see them adding on to anything in this episode feel like it, it was very obvious to the BAU that Lucas ha- was mentally disabled and that was not communicated at all to the rest of the staff working and I feel like that and the very well that could have been avoided and Mason Turner's death could have been avoided to, I'm sorry Dr. Mason Turner gotta give him the PhD he his death could have been avoided too so like those are that's very frustrating to me, both of those things. Let's give it a 12. Okay. Script writing. 10, I guess. Background characters. I didn't like Kelly. You didn't like Detective Denning or whatever her name is. Benning, Denning, whatever. So I think we should take off points here because we gave William Hightower a really good score and I love him and he's very sexy. Um, But I don't think these ladies were great. Here's why I think she's a bad actress, because that was like a great, the relationship that she was building with Lucas was great. And I feel like the actor that played Lucas was really good. But that actress, like the chemistry was not there. And it feels like a little jilted and jolted. And it just leaves you wanting something. Ten? Five? What do you want to do? Yeah, let's do a ten. 57. Oh, so it scored three less points than last episode, which got a 60. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, I can't believe we're done with season four. It's crazy. We're about to start season five. Literally next week. Y'all don't have to wait because we already took our break. But you can follow us everywhere on Subs Podcast on all of the things. We do have a website where we have all of our recaps so you can read along. Uh, and you can follow me, yournewapartment.tumblr.com. You can follow me at the Tween Station Stream Podcast on Instagram and all your streaming services. All right, guys. See ya in season five.